0: hey good morning thank you so much for joining us as we worship online we welcome you Um, if you're part of the forward church family or if you just started joining during the quarantine and we haven't got to meet you face to face we still welcome you thank you so much for joining us we wish we could be meeting in our church building right now but you know what we still have breath in our lungs and we still have a voice so we're going the Lord Jesus Christ. We are gonna declare his name and we are gonna minister in every capacity that we can. So thank you again so much for joining us. We are in our series today titled A Wandering People and we've been talking about the Israelite people coming through Egypt, being delivered out of Egypt, and then letting Moses guide them through the wilderness. Now, when I say let Moses guide them, he was a prophet and his job was to guide them, to give them the words that God gave them, to guide them away from sin and point them to Jesus. Now, they weren't always the best at this. And when I say they let Moses guide them, I have to think about this poor tour guide that I had when I was in fifth grade. You see, we got to take a class trip, and this class trip was great because my dad got to come, and it was multiple days long, so it was just awesome. But it started off on the wrong foot, because we went to um, Shaker Village. It's this old village that's set up like old times, and there was a tour guide there, and, and uh, bless her heart, she was a sweet lady, but um, I didn't exactly let her guide me well. I wanted to get ahead of her, I wanted to experience it for myself, but on top of that, it all started wrong, because I guess I just had never seen this before, and please don't think I'm making fun of her. but. Um, she had like a like a glass eye or a lazy eye. I don't know, I'd never seen anything like it when I was in fifth grade. So when she she got on me, um, I, you know, I just, I was confused. When she got on me, when she looked at me, instead of looking at me, she was like looking over my shoulder. So she looked directly at me like this. And my response being fifth grade Blake, picture me with spiked hair and a pair of jorts, um, just, just confused, I went like this. <laughs> when I did that, it was not received well. I looked over her shoulder and could see my dad because he was being you know a good uh, good tourist and standing behind her and and he was just you know just in complete shock at what I had just done and you know I, there was no point in even apologizing. She was obviously pretty irritated by that, looking back, I should probably write her a letter or something, maybe a quarantine task. but it, it, it even got worse. She even got on one of the dad's because she had had given her um, information and he said I'm sorry I missed the end of your spill there then asked her a genuine question about it and she didn't like the phrasing that he used and she wasn't interested in answering his question but she sure let him know that she did not have a spill. So um, it was just bad and I kept wanting to go ahead of her because I felt like she was just slowing down uh, my experience. She was hindering the good time that I could be having because she was moving slow, I wasn't interested in the information she was giving us and I was not allowing her to guide me. And the Israelite people did this many times while Moses was guiding them through the wilderness. Through this series of wandering people, you'll see where the Israelites turned um, and, and wanted to basically be their own guides. They didn't want to receive what Moses had for them, what Moses had been given from God. They didn't want to take that time. And it often led to disaster. And we do this in our own Christian walks as well. We aren't always the best at letting him guide us and it gets us into some trouble. But here in this, in this series, or here in our text today, in Deuteronomy, we see that the Israelite people have made their way through the wilderness and they are now standing, getting ready to cross over into the Promised Land. Now, if you listen to last week's message, you see that God didn't allow the first generation to go into the Promised Land. They had to wander for 40 years in the desert because of a lack of faith that they had. And as a result of that, only the younger generation was able to cross over. But before they cross over, Moses gives basically this message. And this message is the book of Deuteronomy. And he gives them this before they cross over. And he says something kind of crazy to them. Now remember that the prophets at this time, what they did was they would give the direction. They would try to guide the Israelite people. They would, God would speak through them and they would guide the Israelite people to point to Jesus or to point to one to God and they would also talk about a coming Messiah Moses did both of these in this text here. This is going to be found in um, Deuteronomy 18 15 through 18 it says the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you from your brothers it is to him you shall listen just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. He says multiple times in that a prophet like Moses. So you have to think who was Moses to them? Moses was a big deal. They weren't always the best at letting him guide them, but they respected him, and they respected him in his life, but they even revered him more in his death. After his death, they would know that he he was a big deal, but Moses was, I mean, he was their deliverer. He's who God used to get them out of Egypt. He was like their national founding father. He was their lawgiver. Again, through God, God used him, but the laws were given to them by Moses. Moses delivered them, but he also journeyed with them up to the promised land. But if you remember, he wasn't able to get them into the promised land, and he himself was unable to cross over into the promised land. But still, this would have shocked them to hear him say this. But when Jesus says this, he's pointing to the Messiah. Even even present-day Jews look at this and say that this is a prophecy about the coming Messiah and that's what the prophets did a lot of time was point to the Messiah. Now, you have to look at the relationship between Moses and Jesus here. There is um, a lot of mirroring when you look at Moses' life, it points to Jesus, a better prophet. Okay? Moses, like Jesus, was a Jew. That's why it says in verse 18, from among you, from among your brothers will this prophet come. Like Moses, Jesus was born during a time of oppression. Moses was oppressed. The Jewish people were oppressed in Egypt, and Jesus was oppressed by the Roman government when he was born. In both cases, when Moses was born, Pharaoh was killing all the Hebrew boys. When Jesus was born, Herod was killing all the Hebrew boys. So there's definitely a relationship there. Like Moses, okay, Moses, chose to step down from his royal position in Egypt. He was raised by the royal family, but he stepped down and later delivered his people. Jesus had a position of authority on high in heaven and left heaven to come down to earth to deliver us. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness before he began his ministry. Jesus spent 40 days fasting and praying before he started his ministry. Moses introduced the sacrificial system. Moses was, um, he, he started the sacrificial system and introduced the Passover lamb. Jesus was the Passover lamb. There's an incredible relationship when you look at Moses and when you look at Jesus. But you see, Jesus was a better prophet. Jesus was a better Moses, because Jesus is able to get us to the promised land. Jesus did the work that we were not able to do. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and when we believe that, that he is Lord, when we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, and believe that Jesus cr- rose from the dead, that God raised him from the dead, when we confess that and we believe that, then we are saved and we receive eternal life when we believe in Jesus. So he did the work for us. He is a better Moses. He did the work for us. So that's what he means when he is saying this, that there is another one coming. There is more. A lot of our times in our lives, we feel like this is it. And the Israelites probably felt like Moses was as good as it's going to get. But God says, I have more for you. And for us, we may feel like this is as good as it's going to get. But God always says, I have more for you. I have more. There's more. And Moses speaks in Deuteronomy a couple of major themes, mainly because whenever the Israelites would run into crisis, they had a history of forgetting. They would forget and they would panic. And Moses s- speaks in Deuteronomy two major themes. The first one is found in Deuteronomy 6.12 and it's remember. Deuteronomy 6:12 says, "Then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery." And the second, so De- Deuteronomy is marked by remembering and then clinging to God's word. Because in Deuteronomy 6:6 6, 6 through 9, it says, "And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise." You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. We are supposed to remember and cling. Whenever we whenever we hit crisis, whenever we have struggles, we're supposed to remember and cling. I can't think of a better time that I had to remember and clean than when I was in the army and I was, uh, had to go through the gas chamber. When I first joined the army, just like all soldiers, you have to go through a gas chamber and you have to, they do this because they want you to learn to trust your equipment. So I went to the gas chamber, you start with your gas mask on, at least this is how they did with me. And you began to trust that it would protect you. Then they had you remove it and see how painful it is without it. So two years later, I was actually in a training exercise and I was the platoon leader of this training exercise and I had my gas mask on my hip. They always issued it when we used it, when we went out to training, but I hadn't been gassed in the field before like this in a training exercise. So I was leading the mission and then all of a sudden I heard people yelling, gas, 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 and I saw smoke and I thought, are they really gonna gas us? Are they really gonna do that? I really don't, that doesn't sound right, but I put on the, the mask and played the game and ran around directing people, telling people where to go, setting up a perimeter, but as I tried to communicate this stuff, it was hard because I had a big gas mask on my face and, and it, when I would take deep breaths, it would just suck to my face even more and it was frustrating. So I looked around and I saw the instructors, they weren't wearing gas masks, so I took mine off. That was a mistake. So then as the mission went on, I began to um, go ahead and and started uh, feeling like I was breathing something that became hard to breathe. And then all of a sudden um, my lips started tingling a little bit and then my nose started running and then um, my eyes were watering and I began to cough and I thought, I'm, I've been gassed. I'm being gassed right now. And I looked over at the instructors, well guess what? Now they're wearing their gas masks and the gas mask is stored away in a perfect way to take it out and put it on your head real quick. But I'd already put it on and taken it off so now it was just all bundled up so as I'm choking and coughing I'm trying to put this gas mask on and I'm fumbling it I'm starting to really panic so I get it on my face but I breathe in so much gas that I'm just panicking and I'm flipping out and I want to just look at the instructors and I'm like index let's call this mission let's stop we have a real-life emergency here I just wanted to forget all the training and just get away I just wanted to run away from it I wanted to throw my gas mask I was panicking I was flipping out thankfully the acting platoon sergeant came up to me and, and, he, and put, put the platoon sergeant put, um, grabbed me with both arms and said, Bells, take a deep breath. You've got your gas mask on. Take a deep breath. Trust your equipment. So I took a deep breath and my hands were shaking. I was like having a panic attack and I took a deep breath and then I coughed just a little bit and then took another big deep breath and then was able to exhale because my equipment was taking care of me. And you better believe that after that mission, every training exercise that I did, I remembered what my gas mask would do for me, and I cling to it if someone said gas, if I heard the words gas. Now, in this pandemic, in this situation that we're facing, you may have come to a point where you were like, okay, I get it, I've read the Bible, I've been to church, but now I'm facing a real life emergency. Okay, it's got real. I'm dealing with real life issues. I'm, I'm not able to pay my bills. This was kind of a cute thing that we joked about at first, but I'm going on two months without work. I'm not able to make my payment. I'm watching my 401k just fall apart. Okay, a lot of people, things that people have invested in are falling apart, and we are struggling, but I'm telling you what God's word said then is still relevant today, and that is remember how God delivered his people. Remember how God takes care of his people. Remember what God has done for you and cling to his word. Cling to the promises of his word. And Jesus, is yes, he has died for our sins. He is the high priest that died for our sins. And when we believe in him, we receive salvation, but he is also the prophet that guides us through this life. He also guides us through this life. And because he guides us through this life and because he is a prophet, it's important to think about some things and look at what has he prophesied. If he's a prophet, then he obviously has some prophecies. So what he's prophesied over himself when he was on this earth, before he died on the cross, that he was the son of God. He prophesied that he would die and rise again in three days. He prophesied that he is the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to be considered a son of God, the only way is through him. If you want to go to heaven, the only way is through Jesus. After In Deuteronomy, after Moses gives this information, he says that if there's a prophet that, it, that prophesies and what he says doesn't come to pass, then there's no need to pay attention to him. But Jesus, what he prophesied, everything happened exactly like he said it. He prophesied that the disciples would scatter. He prophesied that Judas would, would betray him. He prophesied that Peter would deny him. And it all happened just like he said it but Jesus being the great prophet being the better prophet is also able to see us in our weakness to see us in our flaws and see beyond our flaws and see what we are capable of through him because just as he was saying that Peter would deny him he also referred to Peter as a rock a rock that would build his church and when he was referring to that church who do you think he was talking about building it he was talking about His disciples, the same disciples that would scatter. He was able to see them and prophesy that they would be the church. And guess what? He said that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is Matthew 16, 18. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's interesting that no matter what the church goes through, the more conflict, the more the church grows. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. If the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, then you better believe the coronavirus will not prevail against the church. In fact, the church grows when there is conflict. I wish we were meeting in a building right now, but the reality is, is we've got more people watching our services and connecting with us online than we ever had people sitting in our seats listening. We are still able to minister, why? Because the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. It's a prophecy from Jesus that when there's conflict, it doesn't matter, the church will still grow. And if he's prophesied those things, it's important for us to know what he's prophesied over you over each of us. John 15, 9 says that he loves us. John 15, 16 says that he chose us. John, or Matthew 26, 28 says you are forgiven. John 3, 16, hello, it says believe in him and you'll have eternal life. Matthew 28, 20 says that he will always be with us till the end of the age. John 17, 16 says that we are not of this world. We are in the world, but not of the world. John 14, 2-3 says he is going to prepare a place for us. He's going to go and prepare a place for us in heaven. In John 16, 7, he says that it's actually good that he goes because he's going to send his Holy Spirit to guide us. And then Matthew 24, he prophesies that he's coming back at an hour that we least expect. That's what we can believe in Jesus Christ. That's what we have in Jesus Christ, the prophet, the better prophet, the prophet that did the work for us, the prophet that is able to get us to the promised land. So as we close, I wanna encourage you, let him guide you. Fifth fifth grade Blake was really cool with spiked hair. I was either wearing some jorts or maybe some bazooka bubblegum shorts, I don't know. I don't know what that was all about, but the reality was is I was not good at being led. I was not good at letting a tour guide guide me. Don't be like that. Let Jesus guide you. Let him, he is our salvation, he is our deliverer, but he is also our guide in this life. And when we hit conflict, when we hit struggle, when we get scared, it is so important to trust in his word that is always relevant. Believe that he has delivered us, remember that he has delivered us, and cling to his word. Trust in the truth and what he has prophesied over you, that he loves you and that if you believe in him, you'll have eternal life. His word is always relevant. His word is always good. We're going to close. We're going to worship together. As we worship, we have designated a starting point guide in the household to stand next to the TV. I'm just joking, but If you do have questions or you want to talk to anyone, don't hesitate to email us. Our emails are available online. We're on Facebook. We are on Instagram. A lot of you have our phone numbers. Let's continue to minister. Don't be disconnected in this time, but connect with us. Let's go ahead and worship. We love you, and Jesus loves you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much, and we ask that you will continue to guide us. Let us be people that just wait for you. Stop and wait for you to guide us that we dwell on your word, that we remembered how you delivered us from our sin and how you deliver your people throughout history. You delivered them in the Old Testament when they turn their eyes to you. And we turn our eyes to you right now. We pray for our nation, that you will turn its eyes to you, Lord Jesus. We pray, we pray that through this situation that your church grows. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen you've been listening to the forward church weekly podcast we hope you'll join us next week as we continue in our series a wandering people for more information about forward giving or to request prayer visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com